trying to work out what letters to remove from our name. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 346 of Hand of Pod. Um, I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined this week by Andres. Hello and welcome. As usual. Uh, welcome back, Andres. Um, we'll get on to the uh, pre-theme tune joke uh, a little bit later. It's got to do with the rebranding of Argentina's second division, which is one of the many exciting topics that we'll be having to talk to you about this week. Um, but the first exciting topic is the thrilling match, which was the third-place playoff at the Copa America. Argentina finally managed to beat Chile in the final weekend, let's say, um, the match that came after the semi-finals of a Copa America. It took three attempts, but they got there in the end. Yes. And while Andres tells you a little bit about it, I'm going to swap chairs because I've just realised I'm sitting in the squeaky chair, which isn't <laughs> great when you're recording. Andres, give us your thoughts on the game. Well, yes, as you said, Sam, it was a, a finally tight victory for Argentina. It was only 2-1 while uh, in the first half and, and during parts of the second one. It looked like it would be much a bigger difference. Uh, and before the, the match uh, kicked off, uh, some important players like Arturo Vidal from Chile said that this match wouldn't be important or... or no one cared about that. When, while in the match, well, it appeared like a final, or it, it was played like a final. In fact, uh, there were some incidents or some problems that uh, uh, marked the, the, the match as, as, as an important one. Um, but yes, finally Argentina could defeat Chile. It was a, like a, a really... A, a, it's, I mean, uh, uh, perhaps Argentina or some supporters expected for it to be the final um, because it could have been the final. Argentina lost to Brazil while Chile lost to Peru, which which uh, determined uh, for Argentina-Chile to play for the third spot match. Um, I, I thought during the first half, I, I thought that Argentina were definitely taking it more seriously. Um, I, I, I kind of got the impression that Argentina seemed to see it as a chance for revenge on the football pitch and to prove that that they had had a better Copa America than a lot of people were expecting and that they'd grown into the tournament. Whereas Chile didn't really... I mean, I guess it's inevitable, you know, Chile having won the last two, that they didn't really want to be there. Um, and they seemed to be taking it more as an opportunity to kick people than, um, than anything. And I don't know what how that matched up to your impressions but there was quite a lot of um, comedy violence on offer which made it a more entertaining game yes. I have to say yes they, they, that kept the emotion uh, into the match but yes I, I think that for in, in the Argentinian side it was the opportunity to, to to tell Chile look I am Argentina and I won 40 Copa Americas and you won only 2 
uh, and and we will keep we will uh, put things normally again like Carlos Tevez when he said uh, things are normal now when they defeated River I think it was 4-2 in the in the monumental uh, and um, for Chile was the opportunity to keep uh, that Spurs is a sort of part um, how how could I say um, the paternidad yeah, the head-to-head record. Um, yes. Yeah, which which um, in the Copa America they now played twenty-eight times, and Argentina have twenty victories and eight draws. They've never yes. lost to Chile. Oh yes, I, I I understand that you say that because the two finals were uh, on penalties. They say on penalties, and but I mean these uh, victories or on, at least on penalties, uh, of course, were on finals. So Chile thought or believed. And felt like it was uh, matches they won, which and indeed in many ways justifiably, albeit not in the yes. statistical sense. But I, I made that joke to um, our friend Ralph Hanna, Paraguay, Paraguay Ralph on Twitter after the game, um, and uh, one of his, I assume, one of his followers, a Chilean guy anyway, wrote back saying, "Oh, these Argentina fanboys try hard, will come up with any excuse." And I replied saying it, it was a joke. And he went, yeah, of course it was. Okay, if you can't identify it, then fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you pointed out that it could easily have been the final. Um, I thought that, you know, taking a step back, obviously we talked about Argentina versus Brazil, the semi-final prior to that. Um, we didn't talk so much about Chile versus Peru, but we did kind of, I think we mentioned in passing last week, how Chile may be... <sighs> Perhaps Reinaldo Rueda, the manager, had had a little bit too much respect um, for the the generation that had brought Chile's to Copas America, and maybe some of those players who were involved in this year's Chile team shouldn't have really been there anymore. The team might have done a bit better. They they didn't seem hungry. I thought that was, that was the biggest um, contrast between Chile and Peru in 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 their semi final last Wednesday was was that. Peru were hungry. Peru felt like they had a point to prove, whereas Chile didn't. And it, it was particularly weird when you look back to you know that, that Chile team in 2015 and, and in 2016 who had everything to prove um, or played like they had everything to prove. Um, the, the, that, that lack of, of desire, and it's precisely one of the things which I guess is, is one of the positives for Argentina from this um, whole tournament is that while we can debate, or I think largely not really debate, but agree on whether or not Lionel Scaloni is the correct manager to be taking them through this process, um, it, 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 it seems less debatable that Argentina um, are hungry now. Again, they're not resting on the laurels of having made three straight finals. There are a load of players um, in the squad who feel that they have something to prove and that, and that they want to be there and that they want to grab the opportunity, yes. as it were. Yes, what, what I, I I am not very <coughs> optimistic about is about the... Of course, they are, they are, uh, they are eager now, they are hungry, because, of course, they, they haven't won a title in 26 years. While Chile have won the last one three years ago, and they had this, like... Uh, Badge of of Copa America in their T-shirts because they won the last last Copa America, uh, so you can understand by that uh, 
that Argentina wanted to at least uh, win the third uh, place match. Uh, but uh, what I am not that optimistic is about the, 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 the performances that Argentina can, can reach at their best. Because, I mean, I, I said the other day that uh, against Brazil, uh, Argentina played at their best or the best they could. Uh, and while Brazil, with only three plays, in this case two goals, Uh, by, do, by by managing well two attacks was enough for them to win the match uh, and Argentina has to do a big big effort to at least uh, keep keep themselves into the match um, and, and I, I, I of course I wish this doesn't uh, uh, keep for uh, I mean I, I wish this is not from now on and, and that Argentina can uh, uh, have uh, uh, players that can uh, build a, a great team again but uh, to be realistic I don't I don't think it's easy to, to get mm. no it won't be um, Leandro Paredes made the, the, the Copa America squad of the tournament uh, 11 of the tournament I should say he was the only Argentine player to do so um, do, do you think that's fair do you think he deserved to be there Whom? Sorry, Leandro Paredes. In, in the well, he uh, before Copa America started, I I had a lot of doubts about him, uh, and he finished a, a decent Copa America, which I think that he served the the spot in the end. Um, and there are not we we talked about this the in the last episode that there aren't that amount of players who could replace him with. Um, Uh, there aren't a lot of Leandro Paredes, a lot of, uh, I would say, um, who was the other guy who played there in the along with him, uh, even even Guido Rodriguez, who is ha didn't have a lot of, of of minutes there. There aren't players with that. No, sure, features. but I mean, for for the the team of the tournament graphic. Ah oh, yes, sorry. I mean, were there no central midfielders who you could have had there ahead? I thought Casemiro did a a good job, for instance, for Brazil. Um, If I start sounding a bit distracted, by the way, it's because there's a properly massive lightning storm going on yeah. right outside the window that Andres is sitting in front of. Um, I don't know why there's no thunder. It's lucky for us, obviously, yes. that there isn't. But um, anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I was kind of, on the one hand, it was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm glad that he got into the, tour into the team of the tournament because he's... Um, he, he was one of the players that we mentioned last week had, had grown through the tournament started off so and so almost lost his place to Guido Rodriguez as you, as you said um, and, and really by the end of it was looking like this is my position this is, this is what I am now I, I'm the main you know the, the starting number five for Argentina um, but to me in the, in the, in the, in the he was the actual best in the tournament that's it I'm But I think that that uh, hides a, 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 a trap because um, who, who was the, the, the one who uh, published the team, the ideal team of the, of the tournament? Cormebol, right? Mm. Well, and I think that Cormebol thought, well, let's include a player from Argentina because they reached, reached semifinals and they deserve uh, at least one player there. And they didn't want to put Messi there. Of course, Messi didn't play well. But, I mean, it was on purpose, I think, to put Paredes, who he may have deserved that, that place. 
but uh, in, in apart from that i think that uh, um they didn't want to know anything about messi after the the words he said uh, even when he didn't uh, play really well until the brazil match and of course media in argentina no, i don't i won't say that protested but uh, uh, it was remarkable for for them for messi not to be in the ideal team of the of the copa that's a nice way of segueing into the fact that we have to talk about it we can't talk about especially the third place playoff although we're not going to into huge detail on that match obviously um but we can't mention it really without mentioning that Lionel Messi was sent off um <laughs> we're still not really sure what for Conmebol have tweeted out an explanation and it doesn't make a lot of sense to me Um, the Conmebol explanation was that they uh, both he and Gary Medel used bad language, which is like so. Um, and also, the referee was standing what twenty, thirty meters away when it happened. I don't know how he could have heard it. Um, and that uh, they, there was aggressive conduct from both of them, which is certainly true of Gary Medel. I am less certain that it's true of Lionel Messi. Yes. Um, but anyway, the, the red card was shown. I'm going to assume because I maybe have a bit more faith in Commonwealth than we really ought to, um, that the subsequent suspension that Messi gets as a result of that red card um, will end up being rescinded on appeal. But if it's going to be, then the AFA seem to be pretty determined to make sure that it isn't because of the way that they're going about that appeal. Um, they are being pretty ridiculous about it. Um The other thing is that that suspension, I don't know whether we yet know which competition it would be for, right? Because there's one regulation in Conmebol's regulations which says that it would be for the next Copa America. There's another regulation which says that it's for the next matches that Conmebol oversees, i.e. the first couple of World Cup qualifiers. Um, and then there's another regulation something, saying something else altogether. Um, and there, I've seen a couple of headlines suggesting he might miss the whole of the next Copa America because of the, you know, all the stuff he's been saying in the press. We'll get onto that in a few minutes as well. But, but isn't there a regulation that states that whatever happens outside of the pitch can't be banned with matches? I mean, he says ah, uh, Conmebol is corrupt, which of course is not. Uh, he didn't invent, uh, uh, didn't. Uh, um, It was some powder that he created hmm. by saying that, of course, uh, he has to uh, provide the proof that to, for, for what he says. But um, saying that by saying that he isn't, uh, uh, he wasn't sent off because of that. I mean, he, they can't they can't ban Messi with matches because he said that Conmebol is corrupt. I've no idea. Because what I understood is that uh, they can find him with money, of course, because mm. he's saying something terrible about the organization. But uh, one thing is what he says, what he does in the pitch, and he's sent off, and they can ban him with four matches, three matches, six months. And other thing, very different thing is when he says, or he's polemic when he declares. Uh, What, that's where I understood. No, I would agree. I think that the um, once all of the smoke dies down, which might take a while, given the organizations we're talking about and indeed the person that we're talking about, um, the most likely 
development, I would think, is that Messi will get a couple of matches, maybe three matches, ban. You'd think two, wouldn't you, really, for the red... I mean, it's, it wasn't... He didn't actually do anything. He shouldn't have been sent off. Um, that they will hand down a two-match ban and then hopefully rescind it. I think that would be the reasonable thing to do, whether it will actually happen, I don't know. Maybe they'll decide that what he said off the pitch is a good enough reason to not rescind the ban, even if they decide that he shouldn't actually have been sent off. That would be a very commendable thing to do, I think. Um, but it, it also kind of gets to the um, central point of, of one of the more interesting things that I wanted to ask during this podcast, which is we have seen Lionel Messi during this tournament play fairly ordinarily, um, I, I think. I wouldn't say that he had a bad cop, as I said last week, but he, he certainly didn't have his best tournament for Argentina. Um until the Brazil match in the semi-final when he, he stepped up and he was their best player and the rest of the team maybe didn't step up their level um, to quite the same extent. Um, but he has been more praised by a greater variety of people. I won't necessarily say by more people, but by a, a greater sort of spread of opinion people, if that makes sense, um, after this tournament than he has after any of the others when he actually played significantly better for Argentina the reasons apparently being that he sung the national anthem ahead of the semi-final and the third place playoff um, and that he started saying stuff about Conmebol I mean are you happy that, that he's talking like this do you think that this is the Lionel Messi that we want I mean it, it seems kind of like he's channeling the, the worst bits um, of Diego Maradona's career now the most tiresome bits as opposed to, you know, the whole rest of his career so far where he's been channeling well, largely the best bits. What was always criticized about Maradona was the... Uh, Actually, sorry uh, sorry to interrupt. I'm going to go back on myself there. The worst bits of Diego Maradona's life, obviously, are not that he spoke about corruption in governing bodies. He's done much worse things than that. Didn't mean to suggest that. Uh, but you know what I mean. Carry on, Andres. Well, a lot of people uh, criticize Maradona for his mouth, for what he says, uh, and saying that he... Uh, he's quite affected by drugs when he talks. Uh, and now it's a, they say Messi, at, le at last Messi talks like Maradona and he's apparently has changed his personality and now he has a strong character uh, and, and talks and he says what he feels. Well, yes, but he didn't play the best way he can. Uh, there are people that really want, want this, want... They don't care about the, the, the play, about the matches, about how he is uh, with the ball, but what, how he is with the mouth. And of course, that doesn't, isn't the best he can do. Uh, as well, Marcelo Gallardo said, and Ricardo Gareca also said in, in their press conferences, uh, that this could cause him problems. And in fact, it did. Um, So yes, I don't think it's intelligent for him, and it's not the first first time he he talks like this. Uh, we we have to remember the uh, Concha de tu madre saying to the referees against Brazil, I think, in the past qualifiers. Yes, that rings a bell. I, I mean, it rings a bell. I remember it happening. I, I think it was against Brazil. Is what I meant to say. Yeah. Uh, because it was said it was against Chile, but I don't. I think it was against Brazil. Uh, and. Uh, Um, well, his his ban was then reduced because he was banned, um, and 
uh, there were another other things uh, well that I don't remember now I was going to say but I, I forgot in which he he demonstrated this like a part that he, he he's grown up he's now a, 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 a boy that has grown and that talks and, mm. and much uh, more than before uh, and yes of course I don't think it's the best thing for him uh, even when there is there are a lot of uh, people uh, especially media that uh, uh, are, are happy with this yeah I, I largely I, I think I subscribe to Marcelo Gachardo's wow that was a big lightning bolt uh, largely I sorry I, that was really quite something largely I think I subscribe to Marcelo Gachardo's um opinion uh, when he was asked about it um, which was that Messi you know he can think those things he might very well think them but he shouldn't say them in front of microphones um, because it, it ends up perhaps causing more problems than um, uh, than it solves a lot of the time um, but there we are this is the situation that Argentina are in at the moment they're up in, in the air um, we've had lots of very entertaining stories, or at least very entertaining headlines, over the last few days about UEFA offering to let Argentina in um, to to UEFA rather than uh, so they, they don't have to play for Conmebol. We've had stories about Conmebol possibly taking away Argentina's right to co-host next year's Copa America, passing it just to Colombia. Um, what I will say is that I've, I've been tremendously entertained by the vision. I think I might have mentioned this last week of the AFA complaining, on the one hand, so vociferously to Conmebol, while at the same time, just a couple of days before, they had forcibly relegated San Jorge de Tucumán for complaining about biased refereeing. Um, you know, the, the effort it, it might have changed. You know, the, the identity of the president has changed a few times, but the politics at the top of the effort and the people making it up, ultimately, don't. Yes, and, and they ridiculously complains to Conmebol I think that only to to share with Messi or, or to say Messi we are with you with all the things you said but so, sense uh, with nonsense because um, after that after the letter we mentioned <coughs> last time uh, in which uh, uh, Afa are sure that if Barra will have uh, uh, called Zambrano the referee uh, Argentina would have been awarded penalties which made would have made them win the match. And apart after that, Chiquitapia didn't go to the final dinner uh, that closes Copa America. I'm, I'm, I assume that it was because he disagrees or now he's like in an argument with, uh, with Conmebol. Uh, yeah, given his insistence on staying uh, until the very end and refusing to make a decision on the national youth team's coaches um, because he was at the Copa America as if he'd never heard of email or telephones before um, it does seem a bit weird that he would stay all of that time and then not bother going to the final meal when that for so long appeared to be the only thing he wanted to do um, as indeed it, I guess it links in with the fact that Lionel Messi didn't um, go and get his third place medal yes. it's, uh, I, I, are we talking about the cheeky tapiaization of Lionel Messi could Perhaps. be yes. what a depressing thought yes. um, anyway there we go. Uh, this was a relatively shortened first half of the podcast uh, because we, you know, we have one game to talk about. Basically, I guess let's before we go to the halftime break. Brazil versus Peru in the final. 
Um, we obviously wanted to see Peru gain revenge for the um, tonking that they took in the group stage when, when Brazil beat them 5-0. That didn't happen. They put in a better performance, um, but ultimately 3-1 Brazil deserved winners. They, they were clearly the best team at the Copa. Well, Peru were enthusiast, which of course was uh, something uh, logical because uh, they have won two Copa Americas and I, I read a piece uh, written by written by that English Dan talking about tragedy that uh, marked Peru's Peru in the past uh, talking to uh, uh, that has to do with Paolo Guerrero's relative I think that died in, in an accident Hmm. And uh, they were, of course, they. I think they deserve perhaps to win the Copa America because, of course, they are the weaker of, of between Brazil and Peru. Uh, they were the weaker, and uh, well, they couldn't. And Brazil was again in the uh, center of the polemics because of the bar and that. Uh, but it was, I think, when when Brazil defeated Argentina, uh, there were people saying that between Argentina and Brazil will overcome the. The, the the winner of Copa America and mm. it was like that finally yeah indeed so congratulations Brazil um, and to any of our any Brazilian listeners I've no idea whether we have any but if you're Brazilian and you're listening congratulations mm. on your uh, ninth they had eight before yes, didn't they yes. on your ninth Copa America um, good luck catching up you've still got five to go before you reach Argentina but there we go on that note we will take a half time break um, when we come back we will talk we're going to kind of mop up a few of the things that have happened in the club world um, while the Copa America has been taking place. We're going to, uh, we've got some very exciting news fixture-wise for you because the new season's fixtures and have been announced for the Superliga and then some other stuff for the lower divisions. Um, so we're going to sort of lay the groundwork so we'll be able to come back and just jump straight in with the season preview um, in two weeks' time. But for now, don't go away. The first thing that we should tackle is explaining that joke I made at the very start of the show before the theme music. Um, the Primera B Nacional, um, the second division in Argentina, is no longer going to be called the Primera B Nacional. It's now going to be called, Andres... Primera Nacional. Which is really confusing. I mean, as if calling it Primera B wasn't already confusing anyway, particularly when there's another division which is also called Primera B, but without the Nacional, and which is actually the third division. And then you've got the Primera C and the Primera D, uh, which all have the word Primera in them, and yet go down as far as the fifth division. And then on the other side, in the unaffiliated or the semi-affiliated teams, you've got the uh, Federal A, or Federal A, which is another third division, and the Federal B, which is a fourth division. I do know why uh, they're all called the Primera something. It's because they're, it's the, the, the first team uh, competition as opposed to the reserves competition or the under-20s competition or whatever. But it's always struck me as a bit weird and very, very Argentine that all of the divisions, at least for the directly affiliated clubs, are called Primera something. 
Um, and so I found it quite amusing yesterday uh, when I saw various people getting a bit upset about the fact that they were removing the letter B from the second division. It was like, but it's been called Primera all along, and you didn't complain then. Um, anyway, yeah, there's a rebranding. The, the Primera Nacional is the new name for the second division. The Primera B Metropolitana, um, which is only ever an unofficial name, by the way. The official name has always been Primera B, um, is the third division, and will, we think, still be called the Primera B, right? Well, I think, or at least I I, uh, I am thinking this now. I, I didn't think it, about it before, but perhaps it's for AFA to remark that it's the first division they organise. Because, of course, they don't organise anymore the first division. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's like the English Football League calling the second division in England the championship and the third division League One. I mean, you know, it's, it's obviously not really any less confusing than that. But um, but they changed yeah. what well, they didn't have to change. I mean, uh, the, the famous phrase, don't uh, fix what is not broken. I mean, the name wasn't bad. Mm. Um, but yes, it's, it will, of course, be uh, make that a lot of people mix up with the first division itself, even when it's Superliga, but how? How come it's super, the first division? Because first and national, and you could say it is uh, another first division. Mm. Uh, yes, I don't know really why they did this. My favourite bit was the explanation they gave, which is that they were doing it to add prestige to the tournament, or, or to the competition. By changing Which the, is like, what, by changing the name? Yeah. You could add prestige to it by taking it seriously and putting together a serious proper league pyramid, in my opinion. That would get people to take it more seriously. But, hey, this is, this is the AFA, so that's not how we work. Um, anyway, the uh, structure of the Primera Nacional 2019-20 has been announced this afternoon. Right? It was this afternoon, wasn't it? Or was it yesterday? Yes. No, it was... No, yesterday, I think. Yesterday I saw rumours about it. I think it was confirmed today. Oh, no, hang on. I'm getting confused. It's the Primera B. The third division has been announced this afternoon. In fact, just while we were recording the first bit, I saw the first tweets coming out about it. The second division um, has been announced at some point in the last 36 hours or so. Um, and it will consist of two groups of 16 teams each with the winners of each group playing a final. Yeah, this is good yes. so far, isn't it? So they, they play the final to decide the first... There'll be two promotion spots going up to the Superliga 2020-21. Um, the losers of that final sort of go off to one side. Let's keep them you know, on, on a nice warm plate outside of the uh, walk for the moment. Um, while we chuck in the other ingredients, which are the teams who finish second, third and fourth in each of the two groups. The... Second team, second place team. I'm assuming that they're going to cross the groups over. So the second place team from Group A will play the third place, uh, fourth place. Sorry, team from Group B. The second place team from Group B will play the fourth place team from Group A, and the two third place teams play each other. They will play two legs. Is it? Um, Home well, away. As I as I am reading an uh, in, in piece, mm. it says yes. What well, you, you have just mentioned. That the Primera Nacional will have 30 rounds, plus two of inter international that they cross. Oh yeah, plus they're doing that still as well. Which and is the nonsense. leaders of each, each group will play the final for the title, and for the first, of course, promotion to the Superliga. Yeah. And then the second, third and fourth of each zone will participate of a playoff. Which is going to be two-legged. 
That doesn't. He doesn't say that. Ah, okay. But uh, I, I would assume it's going to be two-legged. That obviously gets you three winners. So then we bring in the losers of the original final again to get four, and then there'll be semi-finals followed by a final to decide the second promotion spot. No, because there will be uh, six teams there. It's yeah. Second, third, and so four. So they're going to play each other. The winners of that, there'll be three teams. Once six of them played each other, six. Three losers, three winners. The three yes. winners go in along with the, the team that lost. Yeah, they the have to play semi-finals with another one. Yes. Yeah, um, for the the second spot. Uh, so that's going to be nice and confusing. There will be no relegation. Um, sorry, there will be relegation. There will, there will be no average points table for relegation. It will just be done over the course of the season. There will be two relegations per group. And what we were struggling to find beforehand, but what I found at some point while Andres was talking during the first half of the podcast, um, is that those relegations will be the lowest directly affiliated side in each group. will go down to, obviously, the Primera B. Um, and the lowest indirectly affiliated side will go da- in each group will go down to the Federal A. Which, of course, means that it might not necessarily be the bottom two sides in each group who go down. It could be the bottom side and the seventh from bottom side if all of the six bottom sides are directly affiliated for instance um so yeah that's the second division the third division i oh shit it's not on this window sorry uh give me a second because i'm sure i had it open in one of these tabs the third division is oh no that's the bay nacional that's the second division as well isn't it uh no the third division is i've lost it don't know where it's gone. But they have announced something or other as well for the Primera B, uh, the third division. Um, we'll, we'll get back to you with that when we know it, although you probably don't really care all that much, so we might not. Um, but more excitingly, the fixture list has been announced for the Superliga. So if you're planning a holiday to Argentina, you can now decide on your dates. They announced this, the, the fixture and how they made it of course, also. How they did to prepare. Oh yeah, there was a lot of detail, which I mean, I, I actually found quite interesting because I'm a bit sad. Um, but a lot of people will probably find it tremendously boring, and that's why we're going to tell you about it now. Uh, the, um, the the country has been divided into three geographical zones, which have nothing at all to do with any groups that anyone's being involved in. Um, but they did have to do with making sure that teams have to travel roughly similar distances. Um, any all of the classicos have been have had the home advantage reversed from what it was last season. So, for example, last season, Boca and River played each other in the Bombonera in the Superliga. So this season, that fixture will be in the Monumental because um, they're not doing the, the two classical thing still. Um, what else was there? Ah, any fixture which has been played in the same stadium three or more times in a row, whether it's a classical or not, has been put in the other stadium now. So I can't remember the exact examples given or anything, but like I remember that a few uh, a season or two ago, it was something like Banfield against Boca had been in Banfield Stadium for like twelve times running or seven times running or something stupid like that. So for that now, they're going to make sure that that's um, changed this time round. Um, they haven't been able to do anything less than that. They explained because each club has also had been allowed to send some special requirements to the AFA. 100% of those special requirements, they say, not sorry, not to the AFA, to the Superliga, 100% of those requirements have been um, respected and obviously the security um, bodies and everything have also had their requests uh, plugged into the computer. Um, they're doing all of this to make us at least pretend that they've actually sat down and had, had a think about it. 
Yes. Um, they that under this transparent tone, there is nothing, uh, nothing strange in the, in the, uh, preparing of of the picture. That is all transparent and like, of course, I think it was, uh, it was made by a software again, like the last time, right? Mm. From Conicet, which is some sort of and, and the, a government agency, Conicet. If they were the scientists' uh, work, the uh, public and, and, and the University of Buenos Aires or something like that. Um, they mentioned who it was, but I've forgotten. Which for now is public, day. and the government wants the, wants it to be public, uh, private, but it, uh, until now it's it's public. Uh huh. Um, so yeah, those fixtures are up. River host Boca in the fifth week, I think it is, don't they? Yes. First um, of September, which is. Uh, Sunday, I think mm. it will be played that day. Any other main thing? Fi- what's the first weekend, Andres? Because you've got them up on your phone, haven't you? So that's yes. uh, the first weekend of fixtures will be played in two weeks' time. Uh, yes. So the season kicks off on Friday the twenty sixth. The opening match is Racing against Union uh, Friday twenty sixth at nine pm Argentinian time, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, if you want, I say all of the matches. Uh, yeah, go, th- go through the whole list for the opening weekend because yes. that's. Okay. Um, then Colón Patronato, Saturday 17 is Colón Patronato. Might be out for a walk about that time. And it's on, at noon. Uh, San Lorenzo Gold Cruz, Lanús against Gimnasia, and Argentinos against River because. Well, this is strange. They play on Tuesday 23rd against Cruzeiro. And now uh, of course, yeah, this opening. Ah, then they play Tuesday again. The uh, opening round of fixtures for River, Boca, and. Is there another Argentine side involved? There is, isn't there? I've forgotten who it is. Yes. Um, it's going to... Oh, San Lorenzo. Um, it's going to fall between... Oh, and Godoy Cruz as Godoy well, Cruz, right? Yes. Um, it's going to fall between the first and second legs of their Copa Libertadores round of 16 tie. But Boca plays on Wednesday. That's why they play on Sunday, mm-hmm. the, the match of the Superliga. So the Sunday fixtures are? Estudiantes against Aldo Civi, then Nules against Central Córdoba, their debut... On mm. first division, Central Córdoba, Santiago del Estero, then Talleres against Vélez, Defensa Justicia Independiente, and Boca Juniors Huracán. The first of those matches is 11 o'clock in the morning because they're still insisting with an 11 o'clock in the morning fixture. Yes. Uh, and then on Monday, uh, 29 matches to avoid, perhaps. Mm. Arsenal against Banfield, the Arsenal again in first division, and Atlético Tucumán against Rosario Central. That one could be. Could be alright. Depends yes. what Rosario Central are looking like this season. Um, we're going to go over the, 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 the Mercado de Pases, which doesn't mean anything to you if you're listening to this and don't speak Spanish. We're going to go over the transfer market really briefly. We don't ever like to have a really long talk about it, but we do have to acknowledge that it, it's happening. Um, so some of the main stories so far. Alexis McAllister, I'm going to mention him first of all, because of course he's moved to Brighton. Uh, from Argentinos Juniors, but as most Brighton fans will be aware, and, and no doubt a few of the others of you as well, um, Brighton have loaned him not to Argentinos Juniors, but to Boca Juniors, uh, because Boca only had one of the McAllister brothers last season, and they didn't feel that that was enough. Um, so they now have two of them, and there's only one of them left playing in Argentinos. The one that everybody forgets, Francis McAllister, Francis. Um, the number five. But Alexis is going to be playing at Boca, for Boca, sorry, until, I think it's until December, but I might have that mistaken. It might be a season-long loan from Brighton. Um, Boca's other uh, name-in, although we're still a bit unclear on whether this actually is a name-in or not, it's, it's going to be up in the air 
until like the first match of the season kicks off and he's wearing the shirt, I think, is Han Ordado, who... Oh, there we go. He's just come up on the television screen. He will play in Boca, apparently. ESPN are reporting that. He's signed his contract. He signed a four-year contract. Um, some of you might remember he was linked to, I think it was Newcastle or West Ham or some Premier League side um, a month or two ago. Um, since then, it looked dead certain. Gimnasia received an offer from Genoa in Italy. They accepted the offer from Genoa in Italy. Ordado was already set to do his medical and everything. Um, and then Boca came in and it has been a bit unclear exactly how it's all happened there was a bit where Gimnasia had accepted both offers and he was talking and he said he was going to, to Genoa and then he said he was going to Boca anyway he's now finally it would appear um, going to be joining Boca uh, but as I said I'll believe it on the first weekend of the season when he's actually runs out onto the pitch wearing a Boca Junior shirt because it's been the saga of the winter if we don't count Daniel Ede Rossi um, who we mentioned, I think, in, very briefly in passing last week, uh, was definitely going to play for Boca because he's mates with Nicolas Bordiso. And in fact, he was so set on playing for Boca that he's now retired from playing football. Yes. Um, rather than join anybody other than Roma. Yes, he was at MLS, then Fiorentina, Sampdoria, a lot of clubs. And finally, well, uh, apparently is tired of, of discussing or, or being negotiating, negotiating with teams and, and well... No, well, I won't play anymore. And, and this is it. Boca do still want a big name signing. They want Eduardo Salvio in. They are talking a lot of time, since a lot of time ago. And apparently Benfica is putting some obstacles there for, for Salvio to play for Boca. Well, he uh, started and I think he played the whole game of a friendly that they played a day or two ago. Which seems to me to indicate that they're taking him into account for the new season. Um, but anyway and they're also going to need almost definitely going to need to replace uh, Dario Benedetto um, who looks set to move to somebody can you remember who? I'm no. panicking here Andres fuck I forgot uh, hang on let me see whether it's on the front page of Lanas because it was uh, he was linked with Olympique Marseille that's the one well done oh, okay. thank you yes Marseille um, they have made an offer of I think it's 12 million euros uh, his uh, Benedetto's release clause is 21 million euros uh, Marseille just got the numbers the wrong way around um, no they didn't actually they did make an offer of 12 million euros um, I think that Boca will do pretty well to get 12 to get, to get 21 million um, for Benedetto given the season he's had since they upped that release clause um, this time last year but We'll have to wait and see. At any rate, they seem like they're resigned to losing him and the fact that they've just brought Urtado in and already have Ramon Abila um, in the team apparently isn't enough for them. They want Mauro Bocelli as well oh. when Benedetto goes or if Benedetto goes. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, River have had a bit of a quiet transfer window, haven't they, Andres? Yeah, they're they are still looking for Paulo Diaz. I think the only... Player they are trying to sign. Uh, the uh, I, I mean that um, perhaps in, in the contrary way of Boca, they they try to look for certain players, which Gallardo knows he will uh, uh, he would use a lot, or at least he will put in the, in, the, in the matches, which is uh, Paulo Diaz. Mm. And um, uh, there is a, a difference between the money, of course, River is offering and the the, the 
price that uh, Ali of the United Arab Emirates uh, has put for him. Um, so we have to wait because yes, it's uh, Boca are trying to sign a lot of players like like always, and River is has, has a, like you say more quiet transfer window. They only send sold uh, Barbosa, uh, Joel Barbosa to Independiente, and that money is, in, is not enough for for them to to sign Pablo Diaz, and they don't no. want to spend more money than they they want that has income. It's also obviously Barbosa's exit doesn't damage River's squad that much because he was playing for Defensa with Dicia on loan in any case um, prior to that. Uh, but yeah, Marcelo Gachardo looks like he wants to keep faith in the youth. Um, there is uh, during during the friendlies, which we've not really seen because they've been on the premium channels and we're not subscribing over the winter. Um, but Cristian Ferreira and Julian Alvarez uh, have both played big parts. In, indeed, were playing increasingly big parts towards the end of last season as well in Rivers' team. So it seems pretty certain that they're going to come through. And that's why Julian Alvarez will, I won't say for sure, but he has big chances to be. In the starting lineup for both Copa Argentina match, which is next week mm-hmm. against uh, a, men, a team from Mendoza, who I forgot the is name. Gimnasia de Mendoza. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes, next week. And uh, for Cruzeiro match for Copa Libertadores the following week, because we have to remember that uh, Scoco is still recovering from his injury. Mm. So has so is uh, Lucas Prato, who has a, a, I think injuring his back. Uh, one month ago, and then um, Santos Borre, who is uh, suspended, so he will have to play. I, I think. Oh yeah, of course, because Santos Borre is an idiot. He's a good yes. footballer, but not, perhaps not the brightest chap in the world. Um, Independiente's main change has been that Sebastián Becasese has come in as the manager. Um, from Defensa y Justicia, they've brought surprise, surprise, Alexander Barbosa from River, who was at Defensa y Justicia on loan before that. Um, they've also brought Domingo Blanco and Gaston Tony both in, um, or rather, they brought them back from loan. Yes, they were both loaned to Defensa y Justicia. So Becasese's got some players already that he knows very well indeed uh, for his new club, um, which is nice for him. Uh, Racing have been semi-active. Matias Rojas has come in from Defensa y Justicia. Um, he's the main one. I guess they've let a lot of players go. Ricky Centurion yes. being the main one, because he couldn't really stay. Um, but it's it's going to be, you know, it's, it's clean-up time. But the thing I find interesting with Racing's names out is that they've not all gone to, like, Mexican and big European clubs and whatnot, I mean, just won the league. A lot of them is just it's players that the, the board clearly, or, or that the, manage, the management don't um, see a future at the club for. Um, which is interesting after right yes. after winning the league that they're not, I guess, resting on their laurels. San Lorenzo brought in Juan Antonio Pizzi as manager, which could be entertaining. Yes, well done from from for them because they have already won a tournament. The the mo- the it was the poorest tournament uh, or champion I think in the last of the last uh, times because of the uh, few points they they got. Mm. Um, they've also brought in the Piton brothers from Union, Bruno and Malro, both of them together. Uh, who is it who was trying to sign the two Romero twins? Well, I, I didn't know that. I can't remember which club it was. Somebody was trying to bring in the two Romero twins, Oscar and um, the other one. Andres, name Angel Romero? Angel? 
Yes. It's hell, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but they're playing for different clubs on different continents, so that was a difficult one. Um, they've brought Lucas Menossi in at San Lorenzo as well, which is a really interesting one. You might remember towards the end of last season, I was saying that I thought that he could have been in the Copa America squad if uh, he played for River or Boca rather than for Tigre. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see how it works out. And of course, they've let a load of players go, having had an absolutely awful season last term. Uh, Uracan have got Juan Pablo Bojboda or Boshboda, however the hell you say it, in as manager, um, and a fair few other names on the playing staff as well. Vélez have had a quiet one. Maxi Romero has joined PSV. I think that's permanent, right? Because he was on loan from them, having joined them last year, I think, or something like that. Um, Tomás Guidara. Uh, sorry, Maxi, Maxi Romero has come back from PSG. Oh, ah, yes. Mm, yes, PSV, not PSG. don't know why I kept saying PSG. Tomás Guidara joins from Belgrano. Uh, Fernando Gago has come out of well, that's say, retirement. Surprising that's cool, one, but, yeah. Because uh, he, I, it was twenty thirteen or fourteen that he played there six only six months, something like that. Um, it was around that time, yeah. And uh, at, at first he was said that he will be the assistant of Heinze in the bench, mm-hmm. and finally he will play. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much he does of one and, and whether he's going to be sort of groomed to do the other as well um, in the medium term. Um, Central, nothing really particularly interesting there, I don't think. Um, oh, Herman Herrera has retired. That's sad. Oh. For some reason, they've got a picture of Nestor Ortigosa there, but he's not on his... Ah, there we go. He's argued with the manager and he's oh. negotiating a way out. Uh, so that's not great for Central. Um, Newells have brought in Frank Kudelka as the manager... Um, and some other players who we don't really have very much to say about. Lucas Albertengo maybe could do a job there, though, um, up front. Could be an interesting one. Um, and then some other clubs. We're not, we're not going to go through every club because it's a bit dull, isn't it? Just listing transfers after a while. Um, but that's some of the groundwork for the big clubs, um, for the, the bigger clubs. I apologise if we didn't just name your club. Nothing against them. Uh, but there are lots of clubs in the top flight still. Too many still. Yes. We will be back in two weeks' time to preview the season. Um, is there anything else that we needed to get through, though, before we move on to listeners' questions? Uh, well, nothing, I think, that important. That in that case, important. let's move on to listeners' questions. Um, yes. And uh, I'm going to... I just spilled some water all over myself, so I'm going to just grab some of this. Uh, but first of all, I'm going to put Ronnie Mazumda's question. He just missed us by, like, half an hour last week. Um... So I will read his question out uh, for this week's podcast. He said, sorry for the late question. I was reading Sam's article. I put up a blog post last week. Um, and he mentioned Scaloni might stay after 2019 because Tapia likes him. So one, can Tapia make a decision on his own? Um, Andres, can he? Yes, I think Tapia can make the decision. Um, because uh, it's not clear what Menotti will do with his life. Uh, he said that he, his project will start uh, after the Cup of America, but uh, uh, it was also said he he was like uh, tired, exhausted, and not very happy. Well, uh, we have to remember that he, when he was here uh, in Argentina, not not traveling to Brazil for the Cup of America because of Ill- his illness or for health reasons, he even so write, wrote some pieces on on. on Spanish newspaper yeah, about sport. national team when he was part of national team. So it's strange how he's upset, but at the same time, 
of course, we can't uh, deny what Menotti has done in the past, but I think that now he's like not behaving the best way. So I think that Tapia could decide by him on his own. Yeah, that that is what we expect apart from that because he's the president of AFA. Uh, yeah, the the AFA has this structure. You know, after so many years of Julio Grandona being in charge, the AFA are perfectly used to the idea that the president will make decisions, which will be the president's decisions and owned by the president and everything. Um, Ronnie's second question is although uh, Scaloni adjusted his subs were still horrible Di Maria obviously and even De Paul versus Brazil why do people think that experimenting on the national team is okay because there aren't a lot of options I mean first of all nobody thinks or very few people think that Angel Di Maria being sent on all the time is, is okay that's not a decision that anybody has agreed with for a long time now um, or at least that anybody worth listening to has agreed with. I apologise if you disagree with me. Um, but, I mean, people are aware that he's not a particularly experienced coach. I, I was reading a snippet of an interview with uh, Leandro Paredes earlier on, who, you know, he himself acknowledged, he, he said, Scaloni has, has been um, a, a decent manager for us during this, this Copa. He's not the most experienced um, but he expresses his ideas to us clearly, and he contrasted that with Jorge Sampaoli last season, uh, last year, sorry, at the World Cup, where he said he, he would say, "Do this in training," so we'd do it, and then he'd stop you and he'd go, "Why did you do that?" Um, whereas Scaloni doesn't do that. Apparently, Scaloni just tells him to t- tells him what he wants them to do, and then when they do it, he says, "Okay, cheers, now do this." Um, yes. So, yeah, I mean, why do people think experimenting on the national team is okay? Well, you have to experiment sometimes. You, admittedly, you'd rather not do it in the copper itself, would you? But uh, it was the situation that they were in. And nobody was expecting too much from Argentina, or nobody with any sense was expecting too much from Argentina in the copper just gone. Ronnie also says, on a different note, why do so many journalists of football news agencies around the world, except for very few, use the issue against Messi? Be it from the picture they have from, could it be the picture they have from 2018 against Croatia? Uh, what? Why do you guys think people would belittle a genius who brings joy through his class and football? I'm not aware of media around the world doing it, or really media here either. I think most people are just getting angry about Comibol, uh, whether justifiably or not. People are getting angry about Comibol being perceived to, to have a vendetta against him. Yes, one, one, one thing is uh, that, that we, what we are saying that uh, it's not good for Messi to talk to the microphones and like Yashar said um, saying something so uh, bad for him in terms of what's convenient for him that doesn't mean that uh, it's not right what he's saying of course. No, indeed. Uh, we're now on to questions which have been asked this week, indeed earlier today. Tom Robinson says, should Argentina give Cristian Romero a chance at centre-back? Belgrano in English, Jimmy Lee, says, hell yes. Uh, I felt rather guilty, and I expressed this guilt on Twitter, about the fact that it's been such a long time now since the domestic season finished that I can't really remember what Cristian Romero did at Belgrano during 2018-19. to And I was then very gently corrected... Um, that's the reason I can't remember is that he wasn't at Belgrano during 2018 to 2019. He joined Genoa last year, um, and he is he's either just joined or he is on the cusp of joining Juventus. Um, so I feel much better about not having a clue how good he's been for the last 12 months uh, because 
I mean, I don't watch a lot of Serie A. Well, I haven't watched him that uh, matches also, playing that matches also, but uh, I'm pretty sure that he didn't play a lot at Belgrano and he was signed by Genoa, having played four or five matches. Like, he's, he's really young still, he's like 21 or 22 or something, uh, even now. So yeah, he, he was signed for the future by Genoa. But I would say, I'm going to limit myself to saying, if you're playing in Italy and you play well enough that Juventus end up signing you, then, yeah, you, the, the national team manager should probably be thinking about you. Especially if you're playing in a defensive position in Italy and Juventus want to sign you. I mean, um, you know, so, yeah, it's definitely, he's got to be worth a look. Would be much better if he was a midfielder, as we have been saying that there, are not, there aren't a lot. And that's why experimenting is, is uh, perhaps, is, there are no... It's no alternative but to but to experiment because uh, we don't have that amount of players we used to have in, in the past. No, indeed. That's it. Those are the questions that we've had. We've had a couple of, ex- uh, of suggestions for topics for Hand of Pod Extra as well for our Patreon supporters. We have gained two Patreon supporters over the last week. Oh. So if you're one of those, then thank you very much. If you're not one of them, then get over to patreon.com slash handofpod. Um, and check out the whole extra content that we've got for you, some of which we'll be recording in a few seconds' time. The plan, I've already mentioned this on Twitter, um, I think, uh, but just for those of you who who don't follow us on Twitter, who don't know, um, my plan now for the next couple of weeks is that next week we're going to give ourselves a week off um, because we didn't get a break during the Copa America and I feel like having just one week where I don't have to do any editing until late at night um, and then we will be back in two weeks' time. As Andres has already mentioned, the uh, first legs of the Copa Libertadores round of 16 will be being played in two weeks' time. So we will be recording in between those um, to have a preview of the new Superliga season, which kicks off, as we already told you, two weeks on Friday, which by the time this goes online is, is going to be two weeks today. Um, thank you for now for listening. Thank you very much indeed. And goodbye from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. And from me, thank you and goodbye.